president of the International Church of Vilnius. Our regular organist, Asta, is not here today. And we have a guest, Eurate Lambergandis. So thank you very much for playing today, Eurate. It's a blessing to have you. Our first hymn this morning is 264, Crown Him with Many Crowns. If you would stand up and sing, please. 264.
sons and daughters of Christ, as we gather together, let us begin calming our hearts and being honest about our sins. If we ask Him for forgiveness through our Lord Jesus Christ, He will indeed forgive us. Our Heavenly Father, we admit that we have sinned against You in our lives, forgetting Your goodness and seeking our own desires. We have sinned by what we have chosen to do and by what we have chosen not to do. We have not loved you or our neighbors as we could. We confess to you as you instructed to receive your forgiveness. Because of the sacrifice and coronation of Jesus, please have mercy on us. We need your forgiveness to please you, your power to live godly lives, all for your glory. Amen. May our gracious God wash us clean from our sins and restore us through the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Praise God for always forgiving us as we trust in his gospel, for he has heard our prayer. Let us then rejoice in his love be grateful for his care. Our responsive reading this morning comes from Psalm 118. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. When can men mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Our second hymn this morning is number 56, For the Beauty of the Earth, number 56.
would stand for our scripture reading and remain standing. Our first uh, reading this morning is from is a continuation of our responsive reading, picking back up in Psalm 118. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished as a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. You pushed me violently so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I will not die, but live and tell the works of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he's not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me. You've become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you. Do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifices with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I give thanks to you. You are my God, I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from Hebrews 12. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our sermon reading this morning comes from Proverbs 3. 
My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life, peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding all your ways. Acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes for the Lord. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all that you, of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. What type of Christian do you want to be? There's a bunch of different types of examples of people in Scripture who believe. Now, I know this passage from Proverbs is not particularly Christian, considering that it's Jewish before Jesus, and its original context would have not particularly had the Jesus we've come to know in mind. But what type of Christian do you want to be? There's many examples in Scripture of believers, how they react to God, how they live their lives, whether good or bad. Each of these characters have specific motivations for their faith. Oftentimes, um, these motivations are good and sometimes they're not. What are yours? What type of Christian do you want to be? What is your motivation? You see, because we're not, we're not just given commands from God, but we're given a way of life. We're not just given laws, but we're given power about how to live this life. And it says that in these texts, these texts that we read this morning, that God disciplines those he loves. And so we haven't just been given suffering, but we've been given a mission. Proverbs 3 is a call to action. And it starts with the, the basic idea of not to forget. Don't forget my teaching. This is probably someone writing to their son, writing to a king, writing to his people. Don't forget my teaching. Jesus often said, if you have ears, let them hear. Other prophets say, write the words of the Lord on your heart. The ancient Jews would have these phylacteries where they would put many versions of the text and tie them to their heads as a symbolic action of remembering. Don't forget my teaching. It's interesting in verse 2 because he says, it's going to cause you to live a long life. It's going to cause you to pr prosper. This is the Old Testament or Jewish scriptures perspective on God's blessing. 
The wisdom in the ancient scriptures of the Jews often said, well, if you live this certain way, it will probably work out better for you. It will, there will be a result that is in your favor. This is the perspective of Job's friends who say, if you only just did what was right, Job, you wouldn't be experiencing all this hardship. We know from the life of Jesus, now from the Christian perspective, that this isn't always the case, that if you in fact follow the life of Christ, follow the life and discipleship of Jesus, that in fact sometimes bad things come, which is tied to this idea of discipline and teaching and training. You see, there was a curse culture in the Old Testament that was based on appearances. Women that couldn't have children were obviously cursed in the mind and the perspective of those who saw her. So we have this call, don't forget my teaching, because in the midst of hardship, in the midst of what we face as we live out this Christian life, we are going to experience hardship. What type of Christian do you want to be? In that scenario what is your motivation is it blessing from God and a consistent trouble-free life or is our motivation coming from gratitude what we've received already knowing that what we face in God in life is oftentimes allowed by God to teach us so he says don't forget my teaching Verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Why? Because they often do, or we leave them. As I mentioned, Job's friends often thought that God's, God's curse or bad things in your life represented you sinning and God getting back to you, which we know is not always the case. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Peter often was a person who acted out of his emotions. He made strong declarations of his, of his faithfulness to Jesus, but oftentimes when things went bad, he, ra he, he acted rashly, he acted violently, he acted out of his fear. And ultimately when things got serious, he ran, he was a coward. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Why? Because we often leave it. It often is the first thing to go when we experience hardship. But the hardship in our life, as we see in these texts, is often a test from God. If we let love and faithfulness leave us in the midst of what we face in life, if we forget the teachings, of Christ. It causes us to miss these opportunities. Now verse 4 is interesting. It says that if we live a certain way, we will win the favor in the eyes of God and man. Is that the promise of Jesus? That if we live lives, sacrificial lives of according to Christ, that we will win the favor of, of people around us. Oftentimes, we're ridiculed for what we believe. Oh, that's just foolish sentimentalism, fantastic ideas, fanaticism. Simon Magus in Acts 
He wanted to become a Christian because he wanted power. He wanted to be able to do magic tricks and to make people think that he was great. He wanted to be able to exercise spirits so people would think that he was powerful. What type of Christian do you want to be? Verse 5 says, trust in the Lord. Notice that these commands or these, these, these items of wisdom, don't forget. Don't let love and faithfulness leave you. Trust in the Lord, verse 5. Lean not on your understanding. Our understanding is what makes sense. It's what we observe in the real world and think through logically and, and make an assessment based on maybe past experience and maybe an understanding of how things might happen in the future if things happen in a sequential way. But he says, don't lean on that understanding because seeing is not believing. If you remember Thomas, one of the disciples of Jesus, he said, I will only believe if I see the, the scars in it, the wounds in his hand that prove that Jesus is the same body that was on the cross when we saw him. And yet, even though he saw the truth, even though he, he saw and all his questions were answered, he too, like Peter, still fled in the midst of trial. Seeing is not believing. He says, trust in the Lord, not on your own understanding, because your understanding and what you think is actually true in life are often not. Don't rely on that. He says, trust and the Lord. And when this happens in verse 6, our paths become straight. When we see our lives through his teachings. You see, the issue is, is that we often forget. We often forget, which is why verse 1 starts this way. And when we look in our, our lives and we try to plan out straight, efficient paths, Oftentimes they become crooked when we rely on our understanding because our minds don't see what God is doing. And oftentimes the problems that we face in life are God's attempts to teach us, to stretch us. If we look at the life of Christ, Jesus' life on paper is extremely difficult. It seems like a curse. He's beaten. He's poor. He is rejected. He has no social standing. On paper, he doesn't seem like the Messiah, but it was through his death and resurrection that he is glorified and given everything, all authority, all power, because he deserves it. And so when we ask the question, what type of Christian do we want to be? Do we look to the life of Christ and emulate that, even if it's difficult? Or do we often go on our own understanding, our own plans to make our path straight according to what the world says is efficient and good and blessed? Ultimately, friends, there's nothing in this world that's permanent that's for us, as good as they seem. Jesus' path was often appeared to be cursed. Verse 7, he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. I think he's indirectly saying, be wise according to God's eyes, according to 
a teaching according to love and faithfulness. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Shun evil. Why should we shun evil? Because our behavior shows our heart. If we live a certain way, it reveals what we believe. The people who, people who often think that they're wise in their own eyes are often arrogant. You'll see this maybe in your friends or your family, maybe in yourself. They're always right. They're always patronizing. They're always stopping you to let you know how the truth is, what's really going on, the true deeper meaning behind the things that you see and talk about. And this comes from insecurity, ultimately. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Be wise in God's eyes. Shun evil. Your behavior shows your heart. And lastly, this verse kind of takes it home according to the other readings that we've read, and that is don't despise the Lord's discipline. The perspective of why me? I had this this week. Appointments got canceled. Things that really needed to take place didn't happen, and I was completely bent out of shape. Why me? The perspective. The writer of Proverbs is saying, don't resent his rebuke. In the same way that a loving father challenges and trains and disciplines, it seems negative, but it's a sign of his love. As a son, the father delights in. We're put in scenarios, we're put in the exact scenarios that we should be in. They're different for you and they're different for me. When we face hardship, when we face the things that we don't want to face, when we face negative times, when we face awful people, when we have problems in our lives that we want to avoid, if we look at it with natural eyes, we see it as an inconvenience. We see it as us being victims of unjust things. If we look at the life of Christ, most of his life was like that. And through those hardships, Jesus changed the world. He gave us power. He didn't just give us commands, but a way of life. He didn't just give us laws to follow, but he gave us power and an example to live by. He didn't just say, you're going to suffer, but he gave us a mission. Everything that you face that's negative, if you choose and embrace the power of God to live in a way that's like Christ, you can change those scenarios. You can redeem and help people around you, help them see the truth through Jesus. What type of Christian do you want to be? There's so many examples of people in the text that want to use this for their own sake. And yet there are faithful Christians in the Bible, of course, but we must look to Jesus as the true example of who we would like to be like as believers. Not forgetting the teaching, not coming up with our own little ideas that help explain things but aren't based in truth from God. That doesn't let love and faithfulness leave us when it gets difficult, especially when it gets difficult. That our trust in the Lord doesn't fade when it seems unlikely that he's listening or there. That we don't think of ourselves as too wise 
and superior than others. And most of all, like Christ, that we don't despise the Lord's discipline, or in other words, his training, or what he's doing in our life that seems negative, but is really for the good of people around us and a way for us to grow as human beings. What type of Christian do you want to be? Let's take a time of silence for reflection and prayer, and we'll follow with the Apostles' Creed. Would you please stand with me as we recite the Apostles' Creed? Together, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. control and we praise you that you love us that you sent us Christ that you came into our world and you gave us grace and you extended love to us that allowed us to be in your presence God 
Lord, we confess that we often don't think this way. We often don't think like you. We often don't think like Christ. Forgive us. We lose our faith. We lose our love. We lose the perspective that you've asked us and shown us to live like in Christ. Please help us. Please continue to forgive us. Please show us how each of us as individuals can change and be different because of you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Where so much is happening in the world, fighting in Syria, fighting in Crimea, fighting in Yemen, famines, loved ones dying, isolated from each other, confusion, logistical and supply chains, issues, problems, fear. God, we know that you're in control. Give us the mindset that understands how we can adjust and how we can respond appropriately as agents of goodness, as disciples of Christ in this world. God, we ultimately pray that you would come back and fix these problems, make things new. But until then, give us grace, give us compassion, give us gratitude for what, even though what we see in the world often doesn't bring those emotions or thoughts to us immediately. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, I pray that each person here would feel a sense of your security, that this place would be a place of peace, that an understanding of what you have taught and what we know about you would give us strength in our lives, that it wouldn't be theoretical, that it wouldn't be intellectual, but that we would see that the world can be changed through your love and your love through us. God, give us that perspective. Give us the wisdom that we see in Proverbs 3. Help us to remember, to not forget, and to hold faithful, hold to these ideas and this example and the reality that now exists because of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. And let's close our prayer with the Lord's Prayer as He taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our third and final hymn this morning is 399. What a friend we have in Jesus. Hymn 399.
Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.